He'll make it for sure. That's why I backed him on Tap Touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858. Hey team, welcome back. Another week of footy flies by, and with so much to dissect, who better than two blokes who you'd happily let the other team use for fill-up numbers to go through it. Get comfortable and enjoy the listen. Yes, hello all, welcome back to another episode of The Footy Yarn. As always, I'm joined by Matthew Arrowsmith in the studio. Matthew, how are you? I'm quite well, how are you? I am quite well. Um, you know, this is obviously just after the uh, Fremantle-St Kilda yeah. game. Um, safe to say it started off quite boring, that game did get did get yeah. a bit of traction going, but as far as games to the Sunday goes, it average. Yeah, yeah. Look, great to have um, current AFL player Angus Dewar. Um, yes, um, I did a live stream this morning where I noticed uh, directly behind me you will see an Aaron Black jumper and directly above that an Angus Tua <laughs> jumper. So again, uh, How late. I'm not going to say we made them, I'm not going <laughs> to say we're the reasons they're on the list, but obviously subliminally maybe West Coast, you know, high ups are seeing that every time they go to, you know, look at the potty and they're like just having that in the back of their head. You think Aaron Black did enough, maybe someone will go, you know what? Yeah, 29 years old, let's... Take him for six months. Let's take a punt. Yeah, I think West Coast should. Why not? He looks better than half of their midfielders out there <laughs> today. So, oh, won't get into it till we look at the West Coast game. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting round of footy. It started off really exciting. The first three games all had something exciting going on with it. Um, we'll obviously get into that with the news. But then finished quite boring. But speaking of, let's get into that news. Yes, welcome to the news. And there's plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, starting off with Buddy Franklin's thousandth goal, which I'm sure you would have watched. Yeah, um, sure. You know, you know when like uh, it's I guess on Snapchat people just take pictures of the pretty sunset. Yeah. And then you just see it constantly, constantly, and it's like, all right, I'm a bit over this. I I saw it. I can go outside and see it. Yeah. It's like. When I went on Instagram, I went through 30 stories and 28 of them had something to do with Buddy's thousandth goal. And it's like, look, this was a really cool moment. Don't get me wrong. This was an amazing moment. I loved it. I got goosebumps watching this moment. Yeah. But I was also like, why? Like, not everyone needs to put it on this story, guys. We can see it on TV. You're not, yep. We're not going to go, oh, oh, better watch this Snapchat to yeah. find out if he kicked it. Thank God that this random bloke that I once met at a party who told yeah. me I need to add him on Snapchat is <laughs> um, putting out his opinion that Buddy Franklin is the GOAT. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sure that Buddy Franklin is the greatest forward of our generation. Yeah, I wouldn't have known if it wasn't for like everyone sharing it. Yeah, I would have thought mm, maybe Marbia Choll's contesting for that, but they they put <laughs> out the blanket turn. Buddy kicked a thousand, which I was thankful they did see. But it was um, it, it was quite an interesting thing. Obviously, all the fans uh, stormed the field. I, yeah. I've got um, Chad Warner has been on today. I had him over the phone earlier, and I also had. Uh, the Sydney fan, don't know if you saw the TikTok that made it to the AFL page of the Sydney fan storming and it was in slow motion with that music. Yeah, yeah. He came on for a chat as well. Wow. So, um, you know, discussed with him about that moment from the fan's perspective and nice. it, was a, it was a great little great little conversation and, um, yeah, it was a real interesting moment, obviously. They were there for half an hour. Security knew they couldn't do anything about it. People went and scattered ashes on the field. Yeah, it was interesting. Someone had a picnic. I didn't see that one. Yep, and Chad Warner and Ollie Florent ended up outside yeah. the ground, which I spoke to Chad about, about oh. how that happened. But, yeah, it was certainly a very interesting half an hour, and it was a quarter that went for over an hour. Yeah, interesting as well that um, Damien Barrett reported today that Geelong players, like, weren't comfortable. With like, they said, like, it w- they feared. They were like, this is dangerous. I mean, I guess so, but the AFL knew it was dangerous. They had... Because yeah. they, they'd been they'd been told they'd been run through, and obviously Chad spoke about this, and the Geelong players would say the same. I'm sure they'd been run through protocols for what would be happening with Buddy's thousandth. Um, so if he kicked it, they they'd sort of like uh, I guess an evacuation plan to try and get yeah. to the rooms. Um, Didn't work. No, I think that. Did you see when Zach Tui? Yeah, that yeah. just like well, he didn't even he, the Lilas ran into him. Zach Tui's like what? Yeah, and then Zach Tui's run back after him with his keys. 
Because he, <laughs> he dropped his keys. Uh, it might have been Fighting Keys or at least Keys. Dropped his keys on the ground as they bumped into him. And he's like kept running. And so Zach Tui's seen his keys on the ground, picked him up, turned around, started running after him. <laughs> he's like tapping him on the shoulder. And apparently the bloke, like Tui tells it way better than I would naturally, Andy. And he's tapping the bloke on the shoulder. And the bloke's not looking because you're in a huge crowd. And so Tui like grabs his collar and sort of yanks him back. <laughs> and the guy just looks shit scared for a moment. And then it's like... Sort of like that Did, one ad. He would have thought, is that two he's come after me? Yeah, it's sort of like that one ad where it's, um, you know, someone dropped their wallet. I can't remember what the ad's for. It's like Jack Daniels or something. Yeah, uh, yeah I know what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, that one. Yeah. Zach Tui is pretty menacing looking like that as well. That's true. Uh, interesting as well, like, you would, would you, do you recall when Buddy kicked the 100th in 08? I absolutely do. Yeah. You never forget where you were for yeah. big moments like that. So. Obviously, like that happened, and he kicked it, and he like he straight away stormed off the ground. Like there was a, and then got off the ground. Like this one, he just waited in the middle. Went on the king, on oh, the greatest there ever was. I, I would do that as well. Oh yeah, so when would he I. kicked that third, I don't think I've ever seen Buddy that up and about after he kicked his third. Yeah, like he was yeah. get around me. I'm the greatest footballer to ever play the game, and I know I am. And but he doesn't say much. No, he's a very quiet yeah. individual. I, one of my favorite things was all the people coming out the woodworks of their slight interactions with Buddy and their youth. Yeah. I know probably three blokes from Kenwick uh, kept sharing photos of when they were in the same Perth 15s development side as Vic, Buddy. Vic Park Raiders shared, like, this random game that he played for them. Yeah. They're like, oh, look, look, he's a Vic Park Raider. I'm like, yeah. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, awesome. You know, like, you went, I, yeah. I, I Going through the crowd, I'm like, Sharon Wellingham? Yeah, Sharon <laughs> Wellingham. Clarko was there with the Swans uh, scarf on. Yeah. There's a few Hawks boys around there. It was quite... It's quite elite. There's actually a really good photo of uh, Gil McLaughlin sort of just like in in like his little box. He's on like the balcony of it or something. Yeah. And um, it's just him smiling and on the back is just the entire crowd on the ground getting around Buddy. <laughs> so you could tell he was just stoked with the moment. The uh, Jordan Lewis was there for Fox footy. Yep. So he was on the boundary and like they crossed over to him during the break. And there's still people on the ground. Like, it's over and there's still people just wandering everyone on the oh, ground. Yeah, they were just doing it. Because what's security going to do? Exactly. They've got all that. They're helpless. Anyway, Jordan was speaking. Like, a couple come up behind him and he's dealing with it okay. Then about 15, 20, just mob him. And Jordan Lewis is just like, <laughs> like, shaped up. Yeah. And they just laughed and crossed back to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's elite. Uh, what else is there for news? Uh, there's, there's plenty of other stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, the Eagles, they went out with four top-up players. Yeah, uh, 14 players ended up going out. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Black, Angus Dewar, Stefan Jairo, and Declan Mountford. It was a last-minute one coming in for Jackson Nelson. Huge. Um, I thought they all performed quite admirably. Stefan Jairo especially, I thought he was one of their better players, West Coast. Yeah. Uh, they certainly they had their little moments. They kept staying in touch. They just couldn't. Just couldn't get close enough, could they? Yeah, Gussie Dewar put up a really funny Instagram where it was, uh, it was a post of, like, you know, him just getting all these movie clips and all that, and it's, like, sums it up, and it's just different movie clips trying to make a joke out of how he was a late call-up, you know, he was putting his hand up saying he'd do anything for it, and then it was, like, a Rocky training montage, and then it was um, the sports bet thing where they put up where it was, like, all the top-up players they just had named as champ because, obviously, no one's probably met him before. <laughs> so he shared all that, and I thought that was quite funny from Gussie. But you got to think, like, if, that's a huge step up because they've either got to try and get to AFL-level fit yeah. without pla- without training with an AFL side or they have to compete with AFL-level fit, yeah, which would be rough. I heard them talking on a sports program yesterday about Aaron Black, and they were saying about how, you know, they're not up to AFL fitness, but someone was like, look, Aaron Black is. Yeah. He, right, he's, right. A, he's an elite runner, and he's at AFL standard fitness. Yeah, I was a little concerned because Aaron Black once told me, he was like, yeah, look, I, I don't really kick over 30 metres, you know, like, I've, I can't remember what his thing was, but he was like, you know, I just I don't really kick over 30 metres, and then it's just he's setting up for most of his kicks, and most people are just 40, 50 <laughs> metres down the he's line. He's like, shit. And I'm like, geez, how's Blackie going to go about this? <laughs> and to his credit... Every single kick. Maybe he was pulling my leg when he said that. But every single kick was just... Maybe, maybe he can, he just doesn't do it. Yeah, maybe he's like, you know, he didn't want to get drafted because he didn't want to risk moving into state because he loves teaching at Darling Range so much. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, in other news, uh, the false alarm at Carlton, Carlton, Collingwood and Adelaide yep. uh, for the fire evacuation. I was lying on a hospital bed watching this. Yeah, it was a bit rogue. I was at a pub yeah. and then... 
like the f- the big fire alarm thing came up or, or like a I heard the noise yeah and I was like is this no it's coming from my phone yeah and then they all sort of evacuate then halfway through the evacuation like false alarm come back yeah just to really keep you on your toes <laughs> so it was a very exciting start to the round and then it just sort of dipped off after that there wasn't a great deal that happened from there obviously Hawthorne with their big upset win oh. but you know that but I called it you did um. You know what, now I will happily, I was just trying to stay reserved, I was trying to stay calm, I was trying not to get ahead of myself, but now I can say the lid's off. Is it going to be a Collingwood-Hawthorne grand final? I can't imagine Collingwood are there. Really? Uh, Gold Coast look up to the level, Um, (laughs) Carlton look undefeatable, Mitch Lewis is the greatest key forward of his generation. I just don't see where Collingwood. We fits knew in. we knew Mitch Lewis would come good at some point. I just and you wonder when Jacob Kishitsi is going to get back to his best as well. It's just a matter of time. When we have a when we have a you know fully firing Kishitsi and Lewis partnership, it's over. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting. Yep. Anything else for news this week? Um, not really, because you know the rounds just finished. Yep. Things happen. Willie Rioli, I think it was Willie Rioli, got reported for a dangerous tackle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was that one. There was a few. The, the umpiring decisions were a bit rogue in that that West Coast North Melbourne game. But we can discuss that when we look at the games as we review the round. Firstly, Bulldogs defeated by Carlton ninety to one hundred and two. Um, I thought insane that Sam Walsh came back first and foremost. Like that bloke at the start, it was half a season almost. Yeah. Then it was a month, and then it was touch and go, and then all of a sudden he's starting round two. Yeah, round two, named I was like. Oh, boy. Yeah, and he does elite. That Cripper walsh connection is insane. And just Carlton's key forwards are just so dangerous. Now that Kerno's fully firing as well. Teams would kill for one of Mikhail Kerno, and they've got both of them. Yeah, and it's absolutely insane. It, it's a very scary thing to see, and especially when they're beating the Bulldogs like that. Um, I thought it was a great game from Carlton. You know, you think of the Roughhead and, Roughhead and Franklin combination. Yeah. Darling and Kennedy. Yeah, except Darling sucks now, which we will get into. <laughs> and it's one game to go off, but... <laughs> Gee, that wasn't good from him. Oh, he'll bounce back. You'd hope. Um, best one, I'm saying definitely Cripper from that game for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd say you're uh, you're correct there, um, and I'll back you in. Okay, thank you. Uh, Sydney, obviously, getting the wood over Geelong in a five-goal win. Um, naturally, momentous occasion. Swans youth were insane. How Goulden and Warner just, like, handled the ball under pressure, especially for Warner's kick to Franklin. Um, you know, how they handled the ball under pressure. You know, they lowered their eyes and went for the short kick and they kicked very well. And I thought Brad Close was very good with his Oh, pressure. yeah. My I boy really Bradley Close. I was really excited that finally something happened for Bradley Close. But, gee, the Swans look elite. Yeah, they look real scary. And, like, they've got blokes still not performing there. And so you just wonder, like, Paddy McCartan and Nick Larkey. McCartan, Larkey and McCartan. Was so good down back. Yeah, I loved that trio. It was so strong. Obviously, Paddy and Larky were sort of playing more of free roaming intercept role, and then Tom was just sort of trying to lock down Hawkins. And I was really impressed by how all three of those blokes performed. Do you think there'll be a patch this year where Sydney are playing game? They're in a little bit of trouble, and they chuck Paddy forward, and he just takes a couple of big. Grabs I wouldn't mind saying that if someone's like like if Hayden McLean's not fit and firing, or Logan McDonald's not up to it, mm. you know, something like that. They just swing Paddy for Nothing's him. working. And they get Paddy. Lewis Melican back in the defence. Oh. That's what it's all about. Um, I'm saying Heaney's probably definitely best on for that game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. Okay, now, obviously, we did do a little bit of talking about the 1,000th goal, and I did say there would be a little fan coming to join us. So I'll shoot to that conversation. Yeah, it was a great little conversation I had with this man, and... Um, you know, it was very thrilling to hear what he had to say and to, to vicariously live through him in that moment. Now, I've got with me today a, a bit of a special guest, a bit of an interesting one, something different to what we usually do. It's um, someone who's captured Buddy's 1,000th goal in a way that no one else really could. There's professionals all around the ground trying to get the best shot possible, some of which have half a head in shot. But this man has gone out and created one of the greatest pieces of AFL cinema I've ever seen on TikTok, just of his phone. It's Jack Sapono. Jack, how are you? I am doing well. I'm a bit rattled from the 21st last night, but um, we're here and we're good, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it's been a, a big weekend. You've probably been a very popular man afterwards. We'll, we'll look at the TikTok before anything. It's at 1.5 million views now. It's been posted on the AFL's yeah. page. It's gone beyond viral. Did, did you expect it to go that big? And how happy were you with the, with the end result when you did see it? 
I took the videos and I was like, this is pretty cool. And then we sat back down in the, in the crowd, showed the people behind us. And the dude's like, oh, I'm actually the, the content manager for all of the AFL. <laughs> He's like, what are the chances we sit behind you boys? And I was like, you know, that was, yeah, a bit weird, but it just happened how it did, I guess. That's insane. Now, we'll talk about the moment, obviously, from the fan perspective. You know, it's his third goal. He's kicked his third. He's got the fourth. He's lining up. Everyone's already on the field. He hasn't even started his run-up, and everyone's already on the field. You can see people are on the 50-meter arc before the ball's left the boot. What was your plan there? You know, were you already on the field? Were you and the boys, you know, planning yeah. to storm it before anyone? You know, what was that yeah. moment like when he, when he was running in for the goal? As soon as he kicked that third goal, we just started making our way down to the front because everyone's like, what do we do? No one really knew what to do, but we just started going to the front. And then before you know it, everyone's up against the rails. And then he takes that, he takes that mark. And bro, there was, he didn't have a choice. This is what I was telling everyone. He didn't have a choice, but he had to make it. So as soon as he started running, everyone just started legging it. I've got a video where, the ball's halfway in the air. It's not even going through the post. And everyone's just in full sprint. It was absolutely surreal. I, I don't know. It was so hard to explain. It was just so fucking intense at the time. Um, yeah, it was just, it was awesome. It was epic. I love that. That's it, It's a surreal moment to be a part of as well. But when you're actually in there in the crowd, you know, that moment where you're on the ground running and then next thing you know, not only is Buddy surrounded by thousands of people, but you yourself, you'd be surrounded by oh. thousands of people. You're, you're unable to move or do anything. That's It's got to be the can't. craziest mosh pit you're ever a part of. What was like, it like that, being in that pack? That was, that was absolutely crazy. I got there. I don't know. It's such a blur, but I'm there. I'm there and I'm just, there's people just hugging people in front of me and I'm like, oh, damn, like, I don't know, I'm getting squashed. And I look up and it's just a, it's just all his teammates hugging Buddy. Yeah. So it's literally Buddy, his teammates hugging each other and then me. I'm like, bro, what are the chances? What did I deserve to do this? Oh, mate, it was incredible. It was incredible. I love that. And then just obviously the fanning out of it, you know, there was it was probably a 20 to 30-minute ordeal just trying to get oh. everyone off the field. What Like, what was security doing? Was everyone just sort of going out there and doing whatever? You know, you see people, like, going out and scattering ashes and doing some real yeah. shit out there. What's it like as they're trying to get everyone back into their seats? Oh, bro, the techies. Before it all happened, they're like, yeah, just go through the gate. Don't jump <laughs> with the fence. Don't hurt yourself. That's they're late. like, it's going to happen, whatever. Yeah. One of my friends, was, I think they brought up like a picnic down and they set up a bottle of wine on the middle of the field and they had a little picnic <laughs> while it was happening. <laughs> that is I hilarious. looked up at the end and the, the quarter had been rocked because it's got the running clock, you know, at the yeah. stadium. So the quarter had been going for an hour and the clock's still running. <laughs> and I was just like, geez, it just didn't end. It just kept going. That is crazy. Well, Jack, it, it's been such a pleasure to get chatting to you and hear it from your perspective. Thank Obviously, you. it was it was surreal to to see it just on the TV. So being there, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm extremely yeah. jealous, as many people are, that you've been able to be a part yeah. of that historic moment. Mate, I'm just so lucky. I'm so grateful. Yeah, that I was able to go to that game and get that moment and capture some of those um, memories that'll stick with me forever. But yeah, cheers. And that was a great little chat with James. That obviously you didn't get to hear. But I can guarantee you, that was that was something to to hear what he had to say, to hear his uh, his perspective of it all. It's very very good listen, and I very much enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, look, I uh, I'll definitely be listening back. Yeah, I could only imagine just to that clip. Yeah, yeah, naturally, you don't you don't watch your own replays. No. Um, <laughs> Collingwood at one hundred points defeated the Crom at fifty eight points in a seven goal win. Collingwood, their attacking play was probably. You feel like it's a bit too much for these sort of low-end teams that maybe can't really handle the consistent pressure down back. Yeah, it's. Um, I certainly enjoy watching us play like that because it's, it's sort of we just have the mantra of just get the ball forward at all costs, Yeah, which is exciting to watch. It'd be interesting to see how it goes against better teams. Yeah, how it you goes like we like, might like a Melbourne. Yeah. You probably have more composure well, down back. It might work. I don't know. Yeah. But, I feel like we might get scored heavily against. But if we start winning 130 to 121, I won't care. I can only imagine. But, yeah, against, obviously, the Crom do have quite a youthful back line and Mm. there's a lot of inexperience and you feel like putting all that pressure on really helps. And, 
You'd imagine Craig McRae doubles down against the good teams as well. Doesn't change a, a winning formula, I but thought so. it would still be much tougher against teams with oh, a nice yeah. composed backline. Oh, look, I'm still extremely happy with the way the Pies are going about it. As you should. I had Ben Keys as my best on from that game. Yeah, I'd probably have Ben Keys as well. I thought Jack Chris was also very good. Most of the, like, even early on, like, it was like 28 marks Adelaide to, like, for Collingwood, but Collingwood was still dominating. Yeah, it was definitely a strange game. Essendon uh, losing by just about four goals to Brisbane. Um, Lockie Neal was just instrumental that yeah. game. That's that's all I can really say about that. Lockie Neal was huge. Yeah, he was brilliant. Uh, Essendon got off to a flyer. Unfortunately, uh, Brisbane uh, brought it right back and got the win. Uh, if you're an Essendon fan, I think you be happier. Archie Perkins kicking three. Peter Wright was clunking him. You know, the just the three-liter here. Had the three-liter heater. No seven-liter heater yet. But um, it's still very important that Peter Wright's kicking goals for him. Yeah, for sure. And I think Essendon can still turn it around. Yeah, it's a tough start, but it was a tough fixed-string start. Now, great game here. Port, 7-14-56, defeated by Hawthorne, 19-6-120. Jeez. Flagthorn. Um, comes so, to mind, Mitch Lewis looking very good, and Port desperately need Charlie Dixon back. They desperately need a big key forward there, clunking for him. But after even last week against Ridden, like they looked okay. They did, and I thought, oh, they should knock off Hawthorne. They didn't show much at all. Like Hawthorne were good, yeah, but Port were rubbish. A lot of their midfielders individually put up some very good numbers. You know, um, you, you see Zach Butters was putting up good numbers, Carl Amon, Ollie Wines, Trav Boak. They individually put up good numbers, but it somehow just didn't translate for them. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a long way back. Two, zero and two. There's a few teams zero and two that you're like, oh, oh, Yeah, dear. it's going to be a tough, tough return and for them. for teams like Hawthorne Collingwood, as much as they're not set to wait the eight, you just bank these wins and yep. you just go, what can we do from what here? What can we do from here? Saying Mitch Lewis is probably best on for that game, though yeah. that could go to a host of players. Yeah, I agree, Mitch Lewis. Uh, Gold Coast, 10-9-69, defeated by Melbourne, 12-10-82. Just the two goals in it. Suns could really be around the mark this year. I think this game's a much better uh, you know, way of reading how the Suns are going to go this year compared to their game against West Coast. Gee, for the sake of Gold Coast, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah, they, they do look very good, and Petrarca... Is naturally just Phenomenal. one of the best. But they had so many good young players as well stand up Melbourne. I thought Jake Bowie was real immense for them. Luke Jackson was Phenomenal. really impressive. So there's a lot to like from both teams there. Um, Sunday's fixtures now, North Melbourne versus West Coast. Uh, I've got here, North Melbourne suck. Um, <laughs> you know, like, geez, they didn't look good. West Coast didn't look good, but West Coast have an excuse. North Melbourne did not look yeah. good. Like, they look worse than last year. Yeah, like their, their players are good individually. Yeah. Like I look at those players and I go, that's a good team. But then I'm like, you look horrible. I felt a bit of excitement from North last year. Yeah. And this year, look, maybe that win will just sort of sort them out and they'll, they'll get better. I was really excited for this game, but it just really wasn't entertaining at all. Yeah, it was rubbish. I think obviously the nicheness of it helped, like a, a duo being around there, Blackie, and obviously Blackie with that elite goal from the boundary, that was really exciting to see. And they, they looked up to the mark, but I think um, West Coast senior players just didn't stand up. Liam Ryan obviously could have changed the game if he was kicking those goals, and that's had, that just happened some games, but I still thought he was, you know, putting the pressure on. He was constantly around the ball, constantly doing something. Jeremy McGovern was elite down back and did yeah. everything he could. Uh, Willie Rioli was phenomenal. It was amazing. I think Callum Jamison was really stiff because he's a ruckman, yeah. had to play fullback and just got absolutely exposed. Jack Williams, <laughs> key forward, had to play ruck. Um, and, you know, a young player in his first game, I think. I think he also copped some really harsh umpiring decisions against him. So, um, you know, it was a tough one. And I feel like, it's tough to say, but I think Jack Darling probably let the club down a bit because a game like that shows um, shows the fact that you didn't rock up to pre-season. Yeah, potentially. Well, I mean, you have to ask the question, if all their players were available, would have they played him at all? Yeah, but regardless, you, you think at the end of the day, Jack Darling made, the, for whatever reason, maybe yeah. there is a legitimate reason, but just going off of everything I know that is public... Jack Darling chose not to get the vaccination until just before the season starts, so he misses a full preseason, and I think it really showed out there. And that was a game where he could have easily helped him win that game, yeah. But he just didn't rock up. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, uh, I'd say Nick Larky probably was best on there, though. Yeah, Nick Larky was six. Yep. Um, Richmond versus GWS. I think Tim Taranto needs to play in the centre wall. Yeah, that's probably a fair call. They keep playing him sort of off that half forward and back in there, you'll still get the numbers. But if you put him in the in the engine room... Yeah, I, I think he can really just be... Like, he could be brown at level if he was playing engine room full-time. Look, um, impressed with the Tigers yep. to turn it on and get that win. And GWS, another one now, all of a sudden they're 0-2. Yeah, that really hurts my call for them to be premiers, but... It was zero on three last year. Yep, and uh, Jaden Short I thought was immense. I, I've got him as my best on. He was kicking at eighty eight percent efficiency with thirty three disposal and twenty nine kicks. I uh, I thought Noel Bolter was yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, his four goals was real impressive as well. So I was, yeah, there's a lot to like for Richmond there. Yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting now. Richmond sort of have got rolling, and GWS it's a long way back. It's a, you just play catch up. Yeah, that's it's tough because after the first two rounds, you can just got two rough fixturing things as they have with Sydney and Richmond, yeah. two very good teams. But then the pressure mounts against the lower teams, the, the supposed easier games. Uh, final game of the round: Fremantle versus St <sighs> Kilda. Look, I won't lie; probably on account of I had a late night last night as well. I fell asleep um, in the second quarter and didn't wake up till the last quarter. Yeah, so I wouldn't have a great deal to say. I think Brayshaw was phenomenal though. He was. Far and away the best player on the ground there. Michael Walters looks a bit cooked, though. He does. Gee, Freo need to have a bloody long, hard look at themselves. It's just, it's, the excuses, are, it's just, it's just too much now. Yeah. I, the, they played the first half, played well. Have they got a pack between themselves not to play third quarters this season? Or? Yeah, look, I don't know. I thought maybe they'd try and make it interesting. But again, I was asleep during that third <laughs> quarter. I woke up and went, hold on a second, what's going on here? It. The Dockers, they've put their fans through so much rubbish. It's like they have to play finals this year. Yeah. Like if they don't play finals, it's just it's a failure. And they're just dishing that up. Like as a free fan, you'd just be watching and going, what the f- what is going on? Yeah, I'd probably be pretty flat. Obviously, well, you and I would both know some loyal Freo fans, and I can't imagine they're quite happy. Um, Nathan O'Driscoll kicked his first goal oh, on debut though. It was a big goal. Wasn't it a good one? Didn't you love the celebration as well just there? Yeah. Get up, get around me. And then they reviewed it and went, if you change this. Oh, yeah, I would have gone straight to AFL headquarters and given them a piece of my mind, <laughs> respectfully. But, yeah, Freya, sort your shit out. Yeah, Brayshaw stood out for that game and for me, best on. Yeah, that's a fair call. Okay, now that does us for the reviewing of the games from last round. Before we get into the next round and our, our, our votes, I do have another interview with Chad Warner, which was a great conversation. Um, it's really not much at all about Chad's own footy, but about the occasion. Buddy's kicked his thousandth goal. So, uh, you know, probably a bit of a big occasion. And uh, now, obviously, moment from the week and probably from the season and, you know, even this decade. It's one of the biggest moments you'll see in the AFL with your own two eyes. Buddy Franklin kicked his 1,000th goal. And there was one man who was closer to the action than anyone. One man who can be thanked more than anyone. The man who assisted his 1,000th goal. A man that has been with the show for so many years now. Chad Warner. Chad, how are you going, mate? Yeah, great. How are you? It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been a while, but, um, you know, it's always good to see you going out there and getting the big moments like this, you know. Firstly, you know, heading into this game, both this week and last week's game, how much conversation is there about, you know, the 1,000 goals knowing Buddy is within reach? Uh, yeah, obviously, um, you'd be lying if you said it wasn't talked about um, in the club, but, yeah, obviously the first thing we wanted to do is get the win, um, but we had a few meetings before the uh, day before the game about protocols and stuff, what would happen if he kicks a goal um, when everyone runs on the field and that and how to, I guess, get out of there. But, yeah, it was first about the win and then um, second about him. So, yeah, it was nice. Okay, now, after that third goal, the crowd absolutely erupted. You know, he's one kick away from 1,000 at this stage. Everyone's getting around the boundary and as far as atmosphere goes, you know, it's one of the greatest atmospheres I've ever seen on a footy field just from watching. It's loud as anything. Everyone's screaming and chanting his name. What's it like being out on the field with all that much noise and excitement around in the crowd? Yeah, it was, it was absolutely crazy. Like, even at the start of the game, like, they put a bit more emphasis on it. We as we ran out, there was flames like out at the race and the fireworks going off. Like I don't know if they've seen anything like it. And 
I think there was about well, 37,000 there, um, but everybody felt like 100. It was absolutely electric, and yeah, you could barely hear anything out there, and every time he went near it, you knew it, so it was just amazing. Yeah, now you, obviously, as I've said, you have been the one who have given him the kick for goal for number 1,000. Was it in your head at all when you collected the ball, especially when you got that third goal? Was it sort of in your head, where's Buddy? Let's try and find Buddy. Or did you just look up, instinct, there he is, hit him? Yeah, well, um, I was actually running in. I was actually thinking about um, kicking the goal. But, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did, like you said, in the back of my mind, I thought, where's Lance? That was literally the only person I thought about. Um, and, yeah, I saw he had a ton of space. He put a nice move on Jack Henry, I think. And, um, yeah, I would have probably got grilled if I didn't kick it. So, yeah, I managed to lace him out. Yeah, lovely. Now, obviously, as he's running in, you, you can see from the footage, I'm not sure how much of it you would have seen. You were probably focusing on the kick itself more, but there's members of the crowd. They're already on the 50-meter arc before the boots even left, like before the ball's even left the boot, rather. You know, it, it's very rare we see thousands upon thousands storming a ground in celebrations for, for any sport or any event. What were your recollections yeah. of that moment like when he's lining up for the set shot just to the insanity of being flooded by all these people? Walk us through that moment from your perspective. Yeah, well, so, um, yeah, he went back to have a shot and I actually looked I looked to the boundary like as he was putting his mouth guard in his soccer or whatever he does, his little routine. Um, yeah, everyone in the front row is already on the edge of the ground. Um, first of all, they were getting ready. And then, yeah, like you said, as he was walking in, like out of the corner of my eye, all this movement um, caught my attention. And yeah, next thing, they're sprinting behind him before he's even started his little run-up. Um, and then, yeah, his, his ball hit his boot, and I think they were already at the 50. So if they had gone through for a point, it might have been a bit awkward. But, um, yeah, he's an absolute freak, so he wasn't missing. But it was absolute pandemonium. I tried to... Tried to get to him as quick as I could, but I just got smashed by the crowd. I didn't make it there. So, yeah. Lovely. Now, obviously, one of the one of the funnier moments, one of the funnier pictures that actually came from that was um yourself and Ollie Florin actually ended up outside the stadium. How did that happen? What, what happened there? What, what was going on with you boys ending up outside <laughs> of the stadium after all that? Yeah. Well, so we um yeah we managed to find each other in the um big mosh pit, I guess you could call it. And yeah, it took us about half an hour actually get out of there um took about 20 minutes to actually get moving to be honest so it's been about 20 minutes i reckon in the same spot just um couldn't move at all and then yeah i lost him again and then managed to find him at the north end of the um scg we went out this race i think it's the groundskeeper race and yeah we went down found this tunnel went around the tunnel and then we managed to bump into uh robbie one of the blokes who works um Upstairs in the upstairs apartment at the SCG, um, and yeah, he managed to get us out uh, up behind the stadium, um, and that actually was the area where the road was. So we had to go through, walk with all the fans, walk out the gate, um, as if I felt like I was a fan at one point, and then yeah, he escorted us through the road. And that was the only way we could get out. Oh, that's hilarious! So it was funny, and yeah. in, in that moment. You know, you know now, especially, but in that moment and looking back, you've been a part of history. You know, obviously, this is Buddy's yeah. moment. He's kicked his thousandth goal. We're, we're all getting around that. But no one's going to forget the fact, uh, at least I know a lot of people I know won't forget the fact that potentially the last goal assist for a 1,000th career goal in the AFL came off the boot of Chad Warner. Have you thought about that at all? Do you sort of just think of it as just another goal to another bloke, or is it in your head that? you have been a part of absolute history there. Yeah, well, like, I mean, after the game, like, and at the time, um, I definitely thought, like, geez, this is absolutely crazy. And then I kind of, yeah, all the hype around it, and then I kind of, um, yeah, kind of got a bit used to it. But when you think about it a bit more, and like you said, I actually hadn't thought about that, like what you said, it's probably the last time an assist for that will ever happen. Um, yeah, it kind of just makes you really think that, like, did that really happen? And like for me to be able to do it was just crazy. And obviously, I, I thought about it during the week it'd be pretty nice to do it, and then to actually do it is just surreal. So, all over the road. And just finally, has he 
you know, obviously he's a great goal kicker. I'm sure with or without your help, he would have found a way to 1,000 goals. But regardless, he got there with your help. Has he has he remunerated you at all? Has he given you a gift to say thank you? Or was it just a little pat on the back saying cheers, Chatty? Yeah, no, we just um, went off down, <laughs> went my way back to the changer and stuff. So been out on the road. Um, yeah, I went back down and he was there. And, yeah, we had a nice little moment there. Um, yeah, so cheers for that one. Because um, I, yeah, I don't know if you saw, but, at half time, he came up and said, said to me, make sure you lower your eyes and hit that little dink kick because I've been on a fair bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was pretty nice. And yeah, we was in the change rooms at the end. He just did a little speech and um, thanked me in that. So that was pretty nice. Awesome. Well, Chad, it's, it's so great, you know, obviously as, as a fan of your football since you were, you know, just before you got drafted to now to, to see you be a part of these great moments. And it's so great that you, you can share your time and share your stories with us. I thank you so much for that, mate. And, um, you know, as much as it's a huge moment, hopefully you have so many bigger ones to come this year and uh, in the rest of your career, mate. Righto, a massive thank you to Chad for coming on and a massive thank you to Chad for giving us all that moment. I'm sure we are all very appreciative of it. Now, Tab Touch Young Player of the Year votes in the 5-4-3-2-1 system. Yep. Matt, who got your one vote? Uh, my one vote was a little bit harder with the Young Player of the Year this week compared yep. to last week. Um, gave my one vote to Tanner Bruin. Yeah, okay. Had 16 touches, kicked a goal. I thought it was a very good. I wanted to sneak him in my tab touch multi. Couldn't find him there, so I couldn't get him in. Yeah. Uh, but phenomenal effort from him, and I think he deserves one vote. Yep. I went with Sam Walsh for my one vote. I had 34 touches. I thought he was really good to see um, back out on the weekends. I thought he played more of an outside role than you know than you would usually see from him. It seemed like Cripps was really doing that bullish work, and Walsh was maybe getting the first touch out of the pack and then going from there with with the hands, but I was, I was still super impressed by his role and how well he did over the weekend. Now, this is the thing with how good Sam Walsh is. You forget he's that young. Yeah. I honestly didn't even think about him for the young player votes. Yeah, Sam Walsh is 21. That's crazy. He turned 22 this year. He's going to win six Brownlows. Yeah, maybe seven. Maybe. Two votes? Uh, two votes. Uh, I went with Luke Jackson. He was phenomenal. He was. Uh, two goals, 20 touches. Very good. It was very, very good. impressive. I went with Errol Golden. Yeah. Uh, had 21 touches, two goals and an assist. Um, I thought, I just as I said earlier, I really liked um, him and Warner, especially through through the midfield, um, you know, at times where they were just so composed under pressure for young players. They just looked so smooth moving and by foot they were so gracious and I really enjoy watching them both play and I gave uh, Errol my two votes. Nice. Uh, my three votes, uh, I'd say close to one of his best games. Yep. Matt's King today. Yeah. Uh, didn't have a goal up to halftime, kicked four in the second half, stood up when he had to, and that's what I really liked about it. Yep. I went with Zach Butters for my three votes. I think losing performance doesn't help. You have 29 touches. You've got 11 tackles as well. I, I thought he was uber impressive in that midfield, and I do like the role he is playing there and what he provides for Port Adelaide in that midfield. Very nice. Um, my four votes, I went with Tom Green from yep. GWS. He's gone to another level now, hasn't he? Yeah, he's looking good. Yeah, he uh, he's going to sprout out and really energise himself now, I think. Yeah, my four votes, I went with Jake Bowie. Um, he had 34 touches, 18 contested possessions. The other, or the other possessions, 16 intercepts. He had nine marks, 572 metres gained, seven rebound 50s. That's a lot of stats to digest. But I put them all in there because that is just so impressive for someone of his age. He's you know, 19, he turns 20 this year. Yeah, that's so impressive for someone who's probably got about 10 games under his belt to be putting in a performance like that off halfback. That's phenomenal. I'm sorry I missed him. And, Jeez, and <laughs> you add him to the list of players you don't like. Uh, my five votes, Hayden Young. He was phenomenal okay. today. I really, really rated his game. Just a lot of like... One-on-one contest instead of the sport, he just would take the mark, and I thought, gee, that's impressive. Yeah, he, he was quite impressive. I, I really did like his role, but I went with Max King for my five votes. I think, you know, four goals from four contested marks. I was seriously impressed by the player he's becoming, and, you know, four goals, there was players who kicked significantly more goals than that throughout the round, but he was one that impressed me most just because of the impact those goals had on the game and how yeah. tight of a game it could have been otherwise. Tab Touch Player of the Year time. One vote, I went with Christian Petrarca. He had 40 touches, got two goal assists. Um, I, You know, he's just bossing it in that midfield again. I think, you know, his disposal efficiency would be around the 50% mark. It's, it's like, 
you know, he's getting a lot of it. He's doing a lot of dangerous things, and it's because he's doing a lot of dangerous kicks that his disposal efficiency is so low. But, yeah, he, he just creates so much every time he moves forward. He had 14 inside 50s this game from uh, 780 metres gained. So, absolutely crazy from him. Uh, my one vote, uh, before I give the one vote, I had uh, three, three, three guys that didn't get my votes. Yep. That I thought... You love an honourable mention. Yeah, I love an honourable mention. Uh, Charlie Kerno. Yep. Very unlucky not to get the votes. Willie Rioli. Yep. With his four. And also Nick Larkey missing out, unfortunately. Okay. But, you know, good efforts. Yeah. Uh, my one vote's the same as yours, Christian Petrarca. Yeah, I rate that a lot. Um, so, for no one from him, gee, what a foolish tip for me to tip five for the Brown, though. I thought he'd be about like round one, round two. Now he's going to be out for God knows how long. Yeah, it's a, it's an uphill battle he's facing. Clary's not looking great with the way Petrarca's taking yeah. all those votes. So, um, foolish from the both of us. Two votes. I went with Paddy Cripps, 35 touches, two goals. He had 12 score involvements overall. I thought he was just absolute beast this game. Love to watch him. Two votes. I went with Mitch Lewis, kicking yep. his five. Uh, Got to love it. And uh, great effort because to go over to Adelaide and beat Port Adelaide is no uh, no easy feat. No. And to kick five as well is very impressive for a man of his age as well. I went with Nick Larkey for my three. Um, I think, obviously, you can wrap it up and say, well, he's playing against Callum Jamison, who's not a defender. So very easy to say that. Very easy to probably go out there and, and kick six against someone who's playing out of position on debut. But also, you've still got to go ahead and do that. I thought at times the service was quite poor to him, but he still made the best of it. He kicked six goals, three, and I thought he really stamped his authority in putting himself in that top end of key forwards in the league in a game like this. Yep, good call. Uh, my three votes went to Brayshaw. Yep. He was phenomenal today. Uh, his highest ever disposal count. And unfortunately, just wasn't enough to get the Dockers over the line. Yeah, I gave him my four votes. I was uber impressed by him as well. Yep. Uh, my four went to Paddy Cripps. Fair enough. Um, really good from him. Uh, you know, he had that patch last year where he was just was slowing down a bit. His body looked a bit sore, and now yeah, he just looks back to his best. The alleged injuries, all that. But uh, five votes, I assume we went the same. This man had 41 disposals, two goals and an assist, 12 clearances, 778 metres gained. Lockie Neal from the Brisbane Lions. If you yep. didn't go him, you have an issue, Matthew, because that man was insane. I did consider going Dylan Moore because he kicked the first goal of the game, yep. but I went with Lockie yep, Neal. Yeah, and it's all about how you set the tone. Uh, but, yeah, Lockie Neal is probably the smarter choice there. Now, we'll get into this round's fixtures yep. before we do wrap up. Firstly, Thursday night footy, Bulldogs versus Sydney, 4.20pm at Marvel Stadium. Jeez, Bulldogs, 0-2. Yeah, it's, uh, again, another team that you're like, oh, like, they still should sort it out, but 0-2, yeah. it's, it's worrying. They've got Sydney, which Sydney have proven they're not an easy beat at all. I think I think last game almost doesn't count for Geelong because Sydney was so up and about. Yeah. There's no way they could, lo- they could lose that game. Like, that atmosphere was better than most grand finals. Yeah, for sure. Uh, looking forward to this one. Yeah. I'm going to... Back the dogs just because they need to win. I'm going to back the Swans here. I think dogs go 0-3, oh. and it's a real story for us. It's a tough one, though. Like In terms of players to watch, obviously, Heaney's going to be one of the better ones. But otherwise, Buddy Buddy could be dangerous. Yeah. And I think maybe Bulldogs' lack of elite key defenders could be exposed here. I think it might almost get better for Buddy now. He's kicked the 1,000, doesn't need to worry about it anymore. Yeah, He might just get off the leash a little bit. Well, in terms of the odds, Tap Touch couldn't pick it. $1.89 the Bulldogs way, $1.93 the Swans way. Uh, if I've learned anything from the last week, it's maybe I won't hunt on the Dogs when they're paying decent odds because they lost to Carlton, had that in a multi and went, oh, geez, not looking good. Mm. Bad start to the week. Friday night footy, we've got two games on the Friday night this week, which is... Good Friday? No. No? A little bit rogue. I don't know if it's the fixture on the AFL website that's wrong. Maybe one of them supposed to be on the Saturday? No, so they are trialling the double Friday night. Okay. What time are these games? Uh, 4.20 and 5.20. Yeah, there's one in Perth. No, there's not? One in Adelaide. And one in? Melbourne. Hmm. They did say they're going to trial it, which I'm not a fan of. Not at all. At all. No, I guess um, this is the moment to do it because AFLW finals are on. There is another patch where they do it again. Yeah. Um, one of them being Good Friday, but that's obviously an earlier game and a later game. Then there's one more time where they do it. I believe there's a game in Adelaide and then Freo and North play Friday night in Perth. That's rogue. 
Yeah, um, I'm not a fan. But looking at the first one, Melbourne versus the Bombers, 4.20 p.m. at the MCG. Melbourne paying $1.28. The Bombers paying $3.70. Uh, yeah, Melbourne do look heavy favourites here. And Christian Pachaka is going to be a real dangerous player in this game. Someone they're really going to have to stop. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I've got a feeling about the Bombers. Again, the Bombers could go 0-3 here. Yeah. And I, then you're like, holy... Like, if the Dogs and the Bombers are both 0-3... Like, Look, for our team's sake, these teams that are losing, keep losing, keep creating this gap. Yeah, please, <laughs> keep creating the divide. But also, you'd love to see him perform. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I would actually love to see, as much as I, I, w- I would love to see him performing, because I'd love to see, like, a Bulldogs and Bombers 0-3 and just see how they go about trying to claw their way back to the eight from there. But it's a rough start for Bombers. I'm tipping, I'm tipping Melbourne here. I'm a fan of, if it wasn't... Uh, Double Friday night, a Friday night showdown, which is where the derby should be. Yeah. but So that's our next game, but I, I, I looked ahead and got a bit excited. You did. Um, yeah, so looking at the showdown, the Crom, $3.05. Port Adelaide, $1.38, 5.20 p.m. at Adelaide Oval. All these times, local time, all these odds uh, currently are time on the Sunday night for Tab Touch. They, they do change heavily. I, I know West Coast got up to $4 at, at yeah. one stage. Um, but they still ended up losing, which I was a bit flat about because I got them at $1.60 and 10 minutes after I posted that, 13 players went out and I went, oh, wow, goodness gracious. But regardless, looking at this game, I think Ben Keyes is going to be huge with the Crom. If Riley Thilthorpe's back, it seems like they really need a, a big, strong, powerful key forward. Rochelle's very good for, for Port Adelaide. They'd need to bounce back after that loss. You'd assume they would. Uh, I'm expecting Port Adelaide to win pretty comfortably. Yeah, I'd say Port Adelaide will win that one. Looking now at the Saturday oh. game, GWS versus Gold Coast to kick us off on a I Saturday. 10-10am like at Giants Stadium. Uh, Timmy Taranto is going to be huge in this game. I'd love to see what kind of midfield minutes he plays. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Took Miller could be huge for the Suns. Raul and Anderson as well. How Levi Casbolt goes about it will be interesting. Could be a very good game, but I'm tipping GWS here. I'm going to tip GWS, and... This double Friday night fixture, this is what it does to the AFL round. 10 yeah. 10 the first game on a Sunday. The next game's at 4.25. Yeah. Get fucked. It's a bit rogue. It's a bit not cool, and I don't know how I feel about it. But again, AFLW finals will be on, so it's not like there won't be any footy in that time. True. So we've still got that going for us. Uh, in terms of the odds, GWS paying $1.46, Gold Coast two seventy five. so nothing out of the ordinary there. Collingwood versus Geelong, as you said, at 4.25 p.m. Collingwood paying $2.60, Geelong paying $1.50. Are you riding those odds, Matt? Oh, I don't tip against the Pies. The Pies will get the job done. Yeah, that's going to be a huge one. I think how yeah, Chris performs, how yeah, Taylor Adam performs. I was really impressed by Nathan Kruger uh, at forward. Like I, I thought he was quite impressive, but also how Moore or whoever plays on Hawkins is going to go about stopping yeah. him will be a huge one. And, yeah, so then you got to stop Hawkins. Then you got Jeremy Cameron there as well. Yeah, Jeremy Cameron didn't look amazing versus Sydney. Yeah. So I guess you sort of just hope that that goes your way, but I think Moore has to go to Hawkins. You need to put your best like lockdown key defender on Tom Hawkins, and yeah. it has to be Darcy Moore. And there'll be a huge battle if that is the way they go. For sure. Uh, looking forward to it. Good way to see Collingwood give himself a bit of a test. Exactly. Uh, but I, I do back Geelong to bounce back after that loss to Sydney. Who the hell decided this should be our Saturday night game? Brisbane versus North, 5pm oh. at the Gabba. What the hell? Brisbane paying $1.15. Shock. North Melbourne paying $5.60. There's a bloody derby the next day. Yeah. <laughs> like, why not? Like, West Coast are going to have 13 ins for that derby. Yeah. Oh. Or probably, like, seven or eight ins for that derby. But regardless, like, there's a derby. Uh, why do you hate the WA teams? Carlton versus Hawthorne. I guess that's maybe one they probably... Uh, you know, that that's fair enough, but, geez, it's it's real interesting that that's the way they've gone. Regardless, that's the way they've gone. I'm saying Brisbane absolutely dominate this one. This will be the first 100-point win of the season. 100-point win? Yep. I'll go Brisbane. Yep. Uh, now, Sunday, Carlton versus Hawthorne, 11.10 a.m. at the MCG. What a way to wake up. Carlton paying $1.41. Hawthorne paying two ninety five. Ride at those odds, if you will, because that's free money. It's an interesting game. Carlton have looked so good. Yeah, the Mark Pittenet derby. There's something. I'm going the Hawks. Yeah. I feel something. I've tipped against them round one. No, I tipped Oh, we had North here. I tipped us against North. So I can't just say I'll keep tipping against him. Flag thorn. We're going all the way. Back back of him, boys. If we lose there, I'll tip against him every round this season just to be safe. 
St Kilda versus Richmond. Unfortunately, the odds for the last three games aren't quite up on Tab Touch yet. It is the start of the Sunday, so we can't get too ahead of ourselves. But St Kilda versus Richmond, 1.20pm at Marble Stadium. Jack still needs to bounce back. That was a pretty average game. Max King's going to be huge in this one. How Noah Bolter goes as well. Hopefully Dusty's back for Richmond. This could shape up to be a very interesting fixture. It should be a good game. Uh, again, St Kilda will want to try and keep this momentum rolling, get another win. I don't think they will. I think Richmond will win this. Yeah, I think Richmond go ahead and take this one. And finishing off West Coast, take on Fremantle, 4.20pm. The Sunday evening fixture at Optus Stadium. Bit gross, bit yuck. Don't like Sunday. I don't like big games on the Sunday. And you can say you can say what you want. West Coast versus Rio isn't a big game anymore. It's still a derby. Yeah. They're like, play it on play it on the Saturday. Play now, Brisbane North on the Sunday night. The players in that West Coast team that haven't got COVID yet, for example, McGovern, yep. do we think that he'll probably get it this week? I don't like, know. I, I guess it depends. I, I think if he's tested negative this far, then you can't really say for sure whether yeah. he will or won't. Um, it'll be interesting to see who goes out because you'd imagine Blackie goes out, Dewey goes out, uh, Decky Malfoy goes out, Steph Shiro goes out. You'd say Jack Williams probably goes out. Um, who else? Callum Jamison probably goes yeah. out. You're looking at about 10 changes to that side. Yep. And uh, honestly, drop Jack Darling. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, it's not a bad shout. Uh, this game, gee, Freer would want to stand up. Yep. But West Coast could be 0-3. Yeah, they could be, but they won't be. I'm tipping the Eagles. Oh, okay. I think, look, Freo got up in the last derby. Um, it'll be an interesting one. Obviously, Monday will be back. How Brayshaw performs. I just wasn't... Look, West Coast midfield wasn't torn apart this game. Like, they still had Kelly. They still had Shuey. They still had... Gee, Kelly teams. didn't do much, did Kelly he? Kelly and Shuey did nothing. I think Shuey was around the ball more Shuey than Kelly looked was. like he was really having a crack. Kelly looked out of sorts. Yeah, but Shuey didn't have any impact with the ball. Like, Shuey was around the mark, but I just didn't feel like he, he had much impact, whereas I feel like Kelly just wasn't there at all, which is, as I said, quite disappointing that West Coast senior players didn't stand up. I will be tipping Fremantle in this one. Yeah, I'm going the Eagles. Now, that is it for the episode, unless this, this may go back a week. I don't know how it'll work, but I will be trying to sort out a little interview with a couple of West Coast top-up players. So there's every chance it's how we finish, and regardless... You will be hearing a West Coast top-up player very soon because Gussie Dewar does obviously do the intros for every episode. For now, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for your time, Matthew. I can't wait to see you again next week. Me too.